This is an AMI podcast. This episode contains references to Islamophobia and disability hate. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. We don't often think about religion when we think about disability. That's not to say that religion isn't concerned with disability. Some religious groups undertake charity in the name of people with disabilities. Other religions talk about disabilities as punishment for past wrongdoing. Whatever the case is, we know relatively little about real people navigating religion as people with disabilities. We don't know how accessible or welcoming places of worship are, nor do we know about the role faith plays in the lives of people with disabilities. Particularly in Canada, with its emphasis on multiculturalism, it's a worthwhile endeavor to consider the role of religion in the lives of people with disabilities. Today, we discuss disability and Islam. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI. I'm Joita Gupta. And of course, a really exciting episode that came about due to a previous conversation I'd had with Rabia Kadur about, um, we, you know, we hung up the phone and we'd done our interview. We just finished taping and she said, you know what? I'm part of this amazing podcast called the Pity Party Podcast. And I said, oh, really? What's your podcast about? And she said, it's a podcast about Muslim women with disabilities talking about the issues that matter to them. And so I'm really excited to welcome one of three co-hosts of the Pity Party podcast. Rafia Hanif Cleofas is, as I said, a podcaster and one of three co-hosts for the Pity Party podcast. Hello and welcome. It's really good to have you on the program. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Joita. I am so happy to be here and thank you for having me here. Tell me a little bit about the Pity Party podcast. What is it? Well, basically, this um, podcast came about when we, um, the three of us, three Muslim women with disabilities, and we all have different kinds of disabilities, like Rabia is blind, Omaya uses a wheelchair, and I am also, I am also a wheelchair user. Uh, my disability is polio. And we have different lived experiences, and uh, we come from different parts of the world to Toronto, and we basically talk about our, our, our lived experience and how disability impact us in terms of the intersectionality between Islam and disability and us being Muslim women. So mm. it's been it's been it's been interesting. And when did you launch the podcast? We launched it last year, but we have quite a few episodes out already. Well tell us a little bit about some of the content we would hear if we were to tune into your podcast. Basically, we talk about anything that matters us, like what what is going on, what are some of the issues we're facing, whether, whether, you know, around Thanksgiving, we had an episode around gratitude and cooking and how cooking is different from, you know, for me in terms of me being in a wheelchair and for Rabia, who is blind. So it talks about the different ways how our disability impact, how we do things differently. 
there was an episode on sports and how we participate in different kinds of sports. And there was um, one on Islamic History Month and accessibility. We talked about, we, we tried to make the topics very fun, right? And, and, and infuse a lot of humor into it because I think it's important that we want to raise awareness about people with disabilities within the different, you know, um, um, within the Muslim community too. And that's why it's so important to, to have that, you know, make a fun of it and at the same time get across the message that we want to, to get across. So I don't, you know, in any way want to single out Islam uh, or single out your experience as a Muslim woman, but I am curious about what Islam has to say on the topic of people with disabilities. Thank you for that question. Yes, in Islam, there has been um, people with disabilities since going back to the days of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And they were surprisingly very much integrated in our in society at that time. Mm. The, the Prophet, peace be upon him, put people with disabilities in leadership positions and um, give them prominent position where they uh, you know the the one person called the the call to prayer and even when we look back when we look into the quran and which is our holy book there are verses that were revealed because of um, someone with disability so that was very very significant um, in terms of verse was revealed around how we we need to make sure that people with disabilities are not shunned away and they are to be taken into consideration and be given like their word need to be heard and and, and not put away in society unfortunately mm-hmm. what's been happening is our, our muslim community seems to be forgetting like you know the the value that the people with disabilities bring in in our society and they've they've come away from that practice and that that philosophy and how 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 we should be people with disabilities should be treated so now now is the time for us to go back and claim our position you know within the muslim mm-hmm. community within islam how we supposed to be uh, treated and how you know accommodations even even when you look at our prayer right mm-hmm. uh, and um in 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 the in the muslim prayer there are different position of standing bowing and actually going down and prostration down to the floor right and Islam, in, in the Quran, it says, when it comes to prayer, it says, um, if you cannot stand, then sit. And if you cannot sit, then lie. And if you, can, and if you can't, and if you can't um, move any parts of your body, you can pray with your eyes. And to mm-hmm. me, that is, the, that is the, the best accommodation anyone can ever receive in, their, in, in Islam, in, in, mm-hmm. in terms of their disability, in terms of their accommodation that they would need to pray. So it's very inclusive, but it's just how, you know, people have distance from that. It is very interesting. And yet you're carving out a, such a unique space on the Pity Party podcast. You're talking about Muslim women. So it's not just about being Muslim, but it's also bringing in gender. Why is it so mm-hmm. important to bring gender into the conversation and, and marry it, for want of a better word, to a questions of Islam and identity? Oh, very, very important because being a woman is part of our identity. Being a woman and, and being visible woman, all three of us are hijabis. We wear the head covering. 
And on some days when we go out there, you know, we don't know, but like people treat, sometimes they treat us differently. <laughs> some days we don't know if it's because of the hijab, if or it's because of the disability, or even if it's, it's because of being a woman. So it, it is part of our identity. It's part of who we are as Muslim women. And I think it's very important that, you know, what Muslim women without disabilities face Sometimes it's very different from what we as Muslims with disabilities face. And I think it's very important to um to for people to recognize the difference and and to acknowledge that and say, you know what, you know, it, it's a, it's different. And in the podcast, I talk about this experience that I've been through myself personally, where I have been um discriminated um against because of um because of the hijab. I mean, and because mm. of my being in a wheelchair, they took advantage of me being in, in a wheelchair and they post the, put a poster, paste that onto the back of my wheelchair. It was a picture of me without hijab. And for someone without a hijab going out there, they, they feel naked. They feel like they've, they're so exposed. And mm. that was something so, you know, so it made you feel so vulnerable not vulnerable the word i get the, i guess the word is feeling like so low like you feel very very put down and it, it it was indescribable what happened and i was had that sticker at the back of my wheelchair a blown up picture of me without my hijab and the captions read i love sex and going out there for other muslim other muslims um, who wear hijab they don't experience that because they're not they're not in a wheelchair going around parading and that that they would not have that experience and for me that is how they you know someone took that experience of me being in a wheelchair and and compounding that with me being a muslim woman coming together and that was my that was my experience and it's very very it was a very very humiliating experience for me and so we can see the the experience that we have as as Muslims with disability, very different from other women and other women, a Muslim woman. I'm really sorry that that happened to you. It, it's really hard to wrap your head around the degree of violence that you face as a woman with a disability and, you know, the fact that you're Muslim as well, all of those things coming together. What sort of a response are you hoping for from able-bodied people within the Muslim community when you share stories like that? Even, I'll go one step further, whatever response are you hoping for from Muslim men when they hear about instances of racism and harassment like you've dealt with? Well, number one is that we're hoping to, to raise awareness around it. We're hoping for them to understand the complexities that we as Muslims with disabilities face. And we're hoping for them to address that in the in in the mosque and in the in the Friday prayer. And one of the campaigns we have is the um, with with Dean Dean Support Services is the we call it the Disability Awareness Kutba campaign. The Kutba Kutba is a Friday sermon. And what we're saying to them is we want you to raise awareness about disabilities in the mosque. And I think this is very very important for other people to understand what it's like to be a person with it. What are the issues? What are the what are the things that they can do in the mosque to make sure that it, it's accessible and it's welcoming and 
people with disabilities are put in positions of power and 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 put in 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 positions where they can give back to the community within within the islamic institutions rafi i should have asked you this and i clean forgot but why is it called the pity party podcast are you trying to be ironic what's going on there <laughs> that's a good question that's a good question you know well we love drama we want it to be an attention grabbing kind of a name and it did stir a lot of emotions we did have a lot of debate about whether we should call it a pity party or not right and you know within the disability community certain language and certain lingo is acceptable right mm-hmm. for example we it, it's okay for us to when we discuss with ourselves to, to use the words like crip or mad you know things like that for people in mental health and the same goes for the whole issue around pity pity mm-hmm. we as people with disabilities do not want people to pity us right true but it's mm-hmm. totally acceptable for us to just sit around and have our own pity party and sometimes mm-hmm. we don't get to have a pity party and basically what we're talking about are some of the issues that you know that that affects us and we 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 have a place where we can air that and where where we can discuss with each other how how it impacts us so that's that's how we came up with that name Well, it's it's uh, it's really nice. I love it. I want to ask you about this notion that is prevalent, and I'm not saying that I agree with this, but the notion is prevalent that if you're a Muslim woman and the way that you achieve progress or empowerment is by being unveiled um, and moving away from some of those traditional forms of dress, for example, mm-hmm. do you find that those notions are prevalent within the broader disability community or is there more of an acceptance or more of an embrace of muslim w- women being able to define what progress looks like for them within the activism that you might undertake in the disability community hmm that's a very good question i i just want to uh, go back to when i first started my activism in in canada and that's going back about 25 30 years ago and i was one of the founding members of earth code the ethnoracial people with disabilities coalition of ontario and i was the only sort of hijabi at that time within the disability community and i remember the feeling that people did just uncomfortable feeling that people would get with me being around and me being around you know tables or being on certain boards or certain meetings and and people were visibly you know uncomfortable and mm-hmm. and and at that time i mean in the 80s I, i guess you know people were not used to seeing so many people with hijab around much less a person with a disability and 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 in order to fit in i mean i was on boards that were totally white you know and and mm-hmm. boards where you know plus being a person with hijab it's even more visible right but that did not prevent it me from speaking out that's I, i love doing that because one of the things that i am um, firmly believing is ensuring that we have a voice people no matter if we we wear hijab or we don't wear hijab and mm-hmm. and i think what is important is for people to accept us for who we are as individuals and for me um wearing the hijab is 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 something that is very important to me and mm-hmm. it does not affect whether you can be more progressive or not right because the three of us on the podcast are all three professional women in our mm-hmm. own fields and 
we've all done, sorry for tooting my horn, but we've all done amazing work within the community, within the disability community and within the broader community. And at the end of the day, it's the individual. The hijab does not really matter how how progressive or, or how, um, you know, we, uh, what we do in, in society. How people perceive us is another story, right? And mm -hmm. it depends on, on when people perceive us in a different way, if they, for example, in a negative way or so, and they don't expect us to 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 meet certain levels, they're sometimes they're 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 surprised. They're taken aback by you know what we can achieve and what we can accomplish. And and we've come a very 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 far way. I mean, in 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 today's society, I mean, one of the things that we have right now is um we um reaching a, a global audience we have the global conference on disability in islam and and um it's uh, we've done it two years and this is our third year doing that conference and mm -hmm. we're meeting you know people from across the globe and we're talking about very important topics when it comes to disability and islam I know I do appreciate your point. And in fact, we covered the global conference on disability and Islam on this show when it was held some months ago, I think last summer. It was good to have uh, Rabia on to talk about that. But I do want to sort of go back to my point about the disability community and whether there's an expectation that disability automatically equates with whiteness or if there is growing acceptance or greater acceptance within the disability community itself around making sure that our activism is in, encompasses other facets of identity. Because I know, at least it, you know, in the 70s and the 80s, the complaint was all the disability activism was so focused on, on men that it left women out. And so women really struggled to take some space up in the disability movement. How far have we come when it comes to considering people's religion and their faith in ensuring that we have a truly inclusive disability community and disability movement. Yes, definitely. Well, I'll tell you something. This this um the struggle is real. The struggle is real in terms of getting our voices, you know, out there because the disability is very white. The disability community is very very white. Mm -hmm. And even getting into it, that's why it's very and and honestly, I I do see I do see that um there is some level of acceptance of people with, you know, different faiths and different cultures. We we do have like a coalition of different. We have, we're seeing, for example, in in the Sri Lankan community, we have a Sri Lankan disability organization. We have accessibility for all. We have different order. We have the Black people with disabilities group. So yes, we're seeing that diversity there. But in terms of the the acceptance, we we're now. You know, true true acceptance would see how are these groups funded. You know, are do, do are they the ones getting the funding to do the work that they need to get done? And and the perception that that ha, and and what perception that people with disabilities have around people from different faiths and different cultures. Mm -hmm. Honestly, we feel excluded in 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 the sense that mm -hmm. our voices are not heard in 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 very important projects that are out there. And that's why it's very important for us to be, you know, included in that conversation. And they do see that being progressive is, is, um, you know, without the hijab kind of thing. So yes, it is, it is a struggle, and it's something that we continue to work on. 
It's something I can relate to as well. I mean, being a, I mean, I'm Hindu, I'm not Muslim, but uh, the idea that, you know, this notion of karma is so prevalent in, in Hinduism, that if you have a disability, if you're sick, it's a reflection of some previous wrongdoing. And that experience of why one embodies disability does not get talked about in the larger disability community. So, I mean, you, you talked a bit about why the podcast is important as a tool to spread awareness within the Muslim community, within the disability community about the experiences of Muslim women, but how much of it is also providing um, mentorship? Because I loved what you said about being three professional women and having so many decades of experience. How important is it that you provide a space um, or you know, a, a sounding board for young disabled Muslim women on the cusp of adulthood, trying to make some choices about their lives, about their faith, and about um, about their professions as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And we, and when I was doing advocacy work, we had no one like that, in, you know, in our community going growing up. And that is something that um, you know, yes, we would want to provide that that mentorship, that mentorship to to others who are upcoming. And that's, um, we have a lot, there's actually a gap when it comes to leaders within the disability community. And that is something that we need need to nurture and we need to develop. I think it's very, very important because there's a lack of people with disabilities from different faiths and cultures within the media itself. And in one of our episodes, we talked about the whole issue about non-disabled people taking on the roles of people with disabilities. And that is, to me, (laughs) totally unacceptable. And it's very important for youths that are coming up today to ensure that they can see themselves reflected in media. And I think that's very Mm -hmm. important. And reflected in a podcast where you've got three smart, successful, professional Muslim women with disabilities holding their own. How much planning goes into your podcast? Do you uh, flip the microphone on and talk from the heart? Or is it uh, a Byzantine experience in terms of writing a big script and having everything timed to the last minute? Uh, Take us behind the scenes, if you will. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We basically just assemble together. And then we decide what are we going to talk about. So I think we need to do a little bit more planning but but basically we just speak about our experiences and what comes up and and what's happening that day whether you know whether it's about sports whether it's about you know how COVID impacted us whether it's about the weather you know so yes we don't we just speak from the heart to be honest yes well that's the best way to do it Tell us a little bit about where we can get to listen to your podcast. And maybe if you're up for it, you could give us a bit of a sneak preview of some of your upcoming episodes as well. Okay, so um, it, it will be on all of the all the different um, ones, whether it's uh, Spotify, Slack, um, Podbeam. I don't even know all of these. <laughs> I, I, iTunes, everything. I mean, we are on all of the different medias out there when it comes to podcasts. And do you have a set uh, schedule when you post? Like, do you put out content every Tuesday, every Friday, or is it just when whenever the fancy takes you? I think it's every Thursday. I did the production team does that. We just do the podcast. But yes, so, yes, we do. We do have um, a regular podcast. It can you can also get our podcast on our YouTube channel too, on Dean Support Services YouTube channel. Nice. Well, it's been great chatting with you about the podcast. Thanks very much for speaking to us and filling us in. We look forward to listening to the podcast. I'm sure it'll be great. 
Thank you so much for having me, Joe Ethan. Rafia Hanaf Cleofas is one of three co hosts for the Pity Party podcast, which, as you heard, is available on the YouTube channel for the Dean Support Services and wherever else you get your podcasts. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. Of course, this show is also available as a podcast in case you want to go and check out some of our previous episodes. Our technical producer is Nasreen Abdul Majid, and Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.